So as you know, I have finished my first draft and I've started editing with the idea that I'll send out second draft to a few more people, ask them to have a look, give me some thoughts. And I think it's that getting feedback stage, um, getting some sort of response from a reader that I'm really looking forward to so much. So I just want to rush through this draft, which I really shouldn't do because that will kind of spoil the feedback. But it, it has made me think about getting feedback and getting responses and ultimately thinking about who's going to be buying uh, this book and what they might think of it. And uh, it's made me think, have you ever had any particular responses that you found really valuable or not valuable? Or do you just like all feedback on your work? Uh I have to admit, I've probably not exposed myself to feedback enough. Um, the few times I have done it, and you were part of that feedback um, forum, Karina, I'm making it sound much more formal than it was. You didn't know you were part of a forum, you were, um, was incredibly helpful. Had a kind of range of different people, maybe six or seven different people who I was sending bits to and getting feedback from. Everyone had their own approach to it um in the nice possible way some people's opinions uh i valued for let's say i valued everyone's opinions in different ways it's a bit like when some people recommend a program to you you think well i'm never going to watch that whereas some people recommend a program to you and you think i'm going to watch that right away that's a bit like how the feedback was some people's feedback i thought right i'm going to bear that in mind i'm going to really think about that some people's feedback made me think well, they didn't like that. That means I'm doing the right thing. So um, I, so I did find it really useful. I'd love to go on a, um, a larger scale. That would be amazing, but I don't know how you would do that apart from um, a, a more formal writing group where a bit like our friend Ian, like he's part of, um, mm -hmm. where it's, it's part of a, a kind of a curriculum, kind of a course where... The expectation is this feedback and this uh this a much more formal approach to it so i would love to do that i'd also like to expose myself to more industry type feedback um there you get into the different categories of what sort of feedback you talk about because at some point someone is viewing whatever you're sending in as a product and whether it's a viable product whether it's a, and that's when it slightly cheapens what your attachment to it is i think i'll be quite good at detaching from that I've always been quite open to the idea of just sending something off and letting someone make it what they will but who knows further down the line maybe I'll grow much more attached to something um but yeah admittedly I haven't done it enough I, I, mm. have you got much more experience of that the feedback I think it just makes me think now about where this is ultimately going um because obviously I'm I'm now thinking about people I know reading this draft and giving me feedback but ultimately I've got this agent, this mythical agent in mind who I am really writing for. And it's quite interesting to observe it in myself because um, ages ago, the self-same Ian uh, made a comment to me about my opening. Now, I've got this little prologue and then it was straight into chapter one. And he said, couldn't help but notice, he was very nice about it. I couldn't help but notice that you've got her waking up in bed in the night it's a bit of a cliche agents hate that it's like damn you're learning ah oh. 
because I quite like my opening. I thought it was fresh and original, but apparently it's not. It's very wrong. And I was like, well, no, I'm keeping it. It's my opening. But then over the last few weeks, I've been thinking, no, 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 this is going to an agent. I need to change it. So now I've changed it. And actually, I think it's better now. Damn it. It's better. It, it is good to have that stuff. I, I, I've heard the same thing about scripts before. I had an opening with the person lying awake in bed waiting for the alarm sort of thing. And I happened to read a bit. Of... Well, uh, when and it said, this is prior to me submitting it. It <laughs> said that because I froze. Did you froze for, for you, Karina? Yeah, you froze a bit. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've read that. Um, I can't remember what part it, yeah, uh, but so the comment when when uh, you sent you you had a bit about uh, someone waking up as as well. So that's where it's it froze for me. Right. Yeah. So I had a bit in a script where someone was lying awake waiting for their alarm, and I happened to read a bit of a, a kind of a guy a bit of guidance from one of the judges for this competition I was looking to submit for, and it literally said about kind of cliched moments and maybe trying to rethink them and he basically described my opening scene and I thought right okay there we go I need to uh, rethink that and it was almost obvious to me from that point that I just thought why yeah why did I go with that why I always try to challenge those things in my head but for some reason this one had slipped through so it was like uh, yeah it's good to have that though did you feel any protectiveness over that opening or I did at first um yeah because <sighs> it was very atmospheric but no, had to go. Gone. No regrets. It's better now. So I was fine with that. Yeah. So my pre protectiveness didn't last. I bristled and then I thought, ah, yeah, <laughs> you want to give this the best chance it's possibly got out in the world. So I'm open to, I'm open to changing stuff, I think. But it does make me wonder if in 10 years time, um, people will be craving openings of people waking up in bed because you just don't see them anymore. <laughs> You've got to wait for it to come back around. Yeah, exactly. It all we'll comes around. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we touched upon a few things, uh, especially when with, feed, with feedback that makes you want to remove something. I would never remove something if I didn't know somehow within me that yes this comment is right i mean i've always when i've whenever i've given my piece of writing to someone i knew which parts of it felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable for me now is it just improving the writing maybe but always the feedback i received it made me think you are in the right i had the hands about it so if i feel strongly about something uh, and they disagree with me and of course, there's a reason behind why they, they explain that. Then I would, I would not necessarily remove it. That's one thing, and that leads me to sending uh, a chapter to the editor for a competition I, I took part last year. Karina, we you mm -hmm. took part in there too, and that was the professional time I, I received some feedback. Um, so he said some good things. He said some bad things. <laughs> um, the comment, for example, that I, I don't know if I should, uh, yeah, I think we were discussing in the writing group and I think, Karina, the way you interpreted his writing was uh, I shouldn't really keep trying in a way. So maybe it was that bad. 
uh, my writing. So uh, I like to think it's not that bad. I will keep doing it anyway. Uh, I don't think I will just stop in the first person that rejects what they, they read uh, from what I write. Uh, but I guess in terms of feedback I received, um, he gave me quite a few pointers in terms of structure, in terms of the storyline as well. He, he, he questioned a couple of things. Why, why, how did he see that, for example, a very minute detail within the scene? And he was like pointing out, pointing it out and he was saying, and the more I think about it, the more I settle uh, down and I think about his comments, I think he's right. You know, yes, I, I think I can change it a little bit without losing the structure of the store of the, of the scene. Um, so that's the one thing. Um, and when I give the, the piece of writing to friends, I guess I'm, I always know what I'm trying to do and I'm looking for comments that actually um, tell me that I'm actually doing what I'm trying to do, if you know what I mean. Because I know I, I want to do something and people will say, yeah, you know, it makes me think, yeah, it makes me wonder about things. I like the debate here. So that's the things I want to do. So I keep, I know these parts are working well for what I want to do because not everyone will like, of course, what you're trying to write. And then I'm trying to see where is the weaknesses compared to what I receive in terms of feedback. You know, where, where do I stray from my, from my own voice, if you like, from what I'm trying to do. So that's how, how I see feedback. It, it hasn't always worked that way. But most, most of the times, as I said, uh, my hands is correct. I need to remove something. Um, the, the professional editor pointed out things to me that it was hard to hear, but I think necessary. Uh, and yeah, it's always important to know what you're trying to do when you, when, you, mm -hmm. when you give your piece of writing out, because then you know how to interpret the feedback as well. I think that's very true. You don't just want to say to someone, here, tell me what you think. It's much more useful if you can say, tell me what you think about this aspect. And the same when you're giving feedback as well. That's why I was so annoyed with that guy for just saying, oh, yeah, you shouldn't bother. But that's not constructive. Like you've got somebody here who clearly wants to write. Help them write. You know? That, that's true. Sorry, just, just to say, he, he said essentially that he doesn't see um, the great opening to a great novel I think that's how he called it, the, the comment in the end. Um, uh, and I, I wanted to, and I'm always thinking when I receive that kind of feedback, why someone might say that. If it's the prose, if he didn't like the prose, if he didn't like the way I write, I can accept, um, I can accept that. Uh, if it, but, but then I read books and I see some very ordinary scenes made extraordinary from what they're trying to say, you know. So I'm trying, uh, that's what wasn't helpful to me, I think, with that comment in the end, that uh, you said something, but you didn't really tell me why Why you think that. Mm. Didn't, I mean, what would be a good example that it's a great, um, not every, uh, you know, there are millions of books every year, and I'm pretty sure not all of them are the next greatest novel. <laughs> but that's why I think it's, it's a, it wasn't a very good comment, if you know what I mean. No. That's really not useful. And also, that makes it sound like you submitted it, you know, with some heading of this is a great opening. This is one of the great openings to one of the great novels, like as if that was what you had pitched it as. Well, I'm, I'm pitching it as, as, you know, I'm trying to show that I have some ambitions behind it, but not not necessarily that it's going to win every award available. Just that 
that I'm trying to do something with the topic, you know, I, I want uh, I want to talk about something through that story. It's not that I'm, I'm expecting it to be the most innovative, imaginative <laughs> piece of writing ever done. What I'm hoping is for you to be uh, engaged with the idea. Um, you know, the writing can always improve, of course, or it might not be your liking. Uh, but no, I think I always try to be confident about what I send when I send, especially in a competition, and say exactly what I have in my mind. Because when I send probably the letter, the cover letter that they, they asked for, um, then I added, you know, I added my ambitions behind it. So maybe that was a gap between what I'm trying, I was trying to do and what my ambitions are. I don't know. It's still not helpful. It's still, no. I mean, this, this is a slight sort of sidestep, but I remember reading uh, or hearing an interview with Charlie Brooker, who wrote Black Mirror and mm -hmm. Dead Set, various different uh, things on TV, as well as being a, a columnist and stuff like that. And his, it was, I think he was directly referring to some of the reviews of some of the Black Mirror episodes. And he said, it's weird with the criticism. I'm, these are not his exact words, but this is generally what he was saying was that it's weird that sometimes people review critically your work as if you personally think it is the greatest thing that has ever been made. And they kind of like to beat it and, and kind of, beat your ego a little bit as if you've gone out there and said this is the greatest thing we've ever made when actually these things always go through a kind of editorial process it's very different in tv and film i guess it goes through so many steps before it goes to broadcast or to be shown but basically saying why do they assume that i was out there you know chest puffed out thinking well this is the greatest episode of black mirror ever actually maybe the initial idea when it actually came to fruition it just didn't quite it wasn't quite the same but they tried their best they did their best with it and a lot of people put a lot of effort into those things um but it's that weird thing about perceiving something as if you were out there saying yeah this is the greatest thing you'll ever read i think the ambition is really good and i think it's important to say that you are trying to explore things on a deeper level, I know that doesn't really mean much, but it means something to me. But um, that you have got the ambition there behind it. Just to, to explain, for example, uh, he, he commented that um, that could be both a, a good and a bad feedback. Uh, he said that I was going into intellectual asides. <laughs> well, I, I've read I've read books that they don't really focus on the story. It, it's you know it's fragmented thoughts. That, that's what I think. I'm not sure what he meant with that comment because it's not. I don't think I'm writing something so unique in terms of you know independent of what I've read. I'm pretty sure I've absorbed things I've read, and that's why I'm writing, and that's how I'm writing. I don't think I'm doing something completely new in terms of writing and novel. So that was that was. Um, but that's the kind of feedback, for example, I don't want to take on board. Uh, what does it mean, intellectual asides? It's okay to tell me I'm, I don't like intellectual asides. I don't find them intriguing, or you know, it's not in my in my reading. I, I prefer something else. And some some agents say that. Some agents say that what kind of genre they like. Mm -hmm. So they, they won't go both for literary fiction and uh, you know, young adult fiction. Some focus on young adult fiction because they that's their expertise. They won't go for for the next Man Booker Prize book, but uh, that's fair, uh, but tell me that. Don't tell me I'm going into <laughs> as if it happened before. 
I think that going for the intellectual side, if that is the, the way you're going to structure it, that is the way you're going to tell these things, that's absolutely fine. That's a decision you've made. That's a that's something you're you're going with. It's an idea that you are. It sounds like he's considering he's giving kind of industry type feedback to you, professional feedback. It sounds like he's come at it too subjectively as opposed to objectively. So instead of appreciating these are the things I like, but these are some ideas I've had from your writing on an objective level, it sounds like he's come at it incredibly subjectively as if he is the only reader and he is the only audience member. I don't know, but, you know, we can name and shame. We'll see see how you feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm just giving examples. I don't think I need to be very grumpy about it. I think it's a learning process. Uh, and I think I would never just take one editor as a, as a benchmark. You know, I think it's important to send your work in more than more than two, more than three people. And if there's a pattern there, then maybe maybe there is something that you know that truly needs to change. Uh, unless you are someone that's very confident in what you do, and you, you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll keep trying until I find the one that understands what I'm trying to do. It's important, though, isn't it, to know what feedback to take and what to ignore because there are some people who give their feedback and get huffy with you if you don't take it because they know best but ultimately it's your piece of writing and you have to know what's best for it and have the confidence I think to say yeah that's really helpful I do want to change that or maybe I will change that character from a man to a dog, <laughs> you know, whatever. Maybe that's a great idea. Um, or maybe you'll just say, mm, thanks, thanks, yeah, I'll bear that in mind. Cheers. And quietly just, you know, shove it in a drawer, a metaphorical drawer. I guess that, that brings to my mind a question if you think, uh, if you, you would, would you ever work with an editor? Oh, yeah, I'm already thinking... Um, when I've when I finish this draft, because I want to give this the best possible chance. So I do want to get feedback. I do want to apply feedback. I do want to create a new draft. But then I'm already thinking um, I will find an editor. And in fact, I know an editor um, married to somebody that I know. Um, and I thought, yeah, I might ask her, um, you know, see what she charges and see what she can do and get get that last bit of polish on it but then of course it's also finding the right person to receive it isn't it that's that's the lottery oh my god all yeah. of this work what are we doing why are we doing it oh because we love it sorry i forgot carry on it'd be great if you could send something out and get like you know 30 or 40 different bits of feedback mm. and then just sort of compare them all and just really give you some thoughts because i guarantee that if you sent that piece of work to lots of different industry type people professional feedback um services fortis you'd get such different responses mm. but you would you would see consistencies you would see something where you go okay that's that's been mentioned a few times that's something i might think about a bit more um or that seems to be something that multiple people don't quite grasp so maybe i need to work on clarification on that so that would be that would be great, but it's it's expensive. That's that's a, a, a big part of it. That's yeah. that's why it's tough. I also would love to work with an editor. I'm quite happy for someone to come in and just, you know, I don't know, really kind of steer me, shape, shape things. Um, 
I, I don't consider my voice the ultimate kind of authority on on it. Um, maybe I'm a little bit too open to that. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be actually. Maybe if it came down to it, I would become really protective. But at the minute, I feel like I, I'd love to have that. I'd love to have that collaboration, that, mm. that sort of um, stuff going on. I've got uh, so. With your book, Karina, mm-hmm. obviously a big part of your feedback so far has been your mum, the crime queen. Indeed. So imagine you've got your mum's feedback and she's got this real feel for what you've you've shaped, what you've crafted, and then you get industry-type feedback or you start working with an editor or an agent, mm-hmm. a manager, whatever it is, and their feedback completely contrasts with hers are you asking me if i'm going to disagree with my mum oh my goodness well well it's because it's it's take away the uh the personal relationship you have and just go with the fact that she knows this type of storytelling she's passionate about this type of storytelling she's a really valuable member representative of a, mm-hmm. a larger audience so where would you that's really how do you think you'd feel I I think I suspect what I would do is run that feedback past her and if she were to say something like oh that's interesting I hadn't thought of that then I'd probably be happy going with it or if she said that's outrageous whoever thought of such a thing like now I'm sticking with my number one reader because she has been so genuinely engaged with it and she is not afraid of telling me what she doesn't like uh she read chapter one last year and her response was yes i think it's got potential so hi right, thanks thanks crime queen she's not afraid to tell me if she doesn't like something so i think i would trust her to put that personal relationship for the fans you've Ex- always been for the fans. exactly i'm all about the fans you're a representative of the people that's right i love the people the people love me <laughs> That's interesting, though. That is interesting. Um, I've got another question for you guys, and that is about you're submitting this work, and it's about them perceiving your the work, but it's also about how do you feel about the perception of you? So you send out this work in a, a on a say there's no profile behind it, no bio. It's just a kind of almost anonymous piece. How do you feel about people kind of crafting their own idea of who you are? Would you be quite keen to clarify that, you know, moving on to sort of more like the press and and interviews and stuff like that, would you? Well, um, if I told you that I hadn't already considered what outfit I would wear to my book signings, I would be lying. But what do you want? What do you want people to see when they come to those book signings? Would the outfit would be like uh, one of Madeleine Stone's? Oh my goodness! I'm six inches too short for that. <laughs> but who, who you, what, what is it? The ultimate kind of version of you that you want people to see? Is it? Is it the the one that we listen to on this podcast? Is it something slightly different? Is it? Oh, I don't know. Who who am I? Yeah, I think I would obviously need to be somebody who came across as deeply complex and interesting, and maybe a touch not eccentric but non mainstream not quite mainstream okay and then your friends ask when they ask us about your biography we can say she's also compassionate and very friendly and she always smiles <laughs> things that don't come across when you read here but 
Cheers, I'm glad we're recording this. Thank you. <laughs> I'll play that back. <laughs> this might be our best chance to get our, to paint a picture of ourselves. Just that we who want are we? To see. Well, I've yeah. got some dough proving right now. I've got a book on the cheese history of Britain. Yeah, I mean, I'm a complex person. Actually, no, motivated by food. That's not complex, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already told you about me. I'm reading a book that's called Men Who Hate Women, which is um, all about misogyny and modern misogyny and uh, incels and stuff like that. And that's been fascinating, but quite alarming. Um, but at the same time, I've also said to you that I've been comforting myself by watching videos on YouTube of celebrities surprising fans and uh, welling up at it. So there's the contrast of my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I've been eating sunflower seeds for uh, so long. It's been like a couple of weeks now. I think it's the stress every night. I feel like I should be munching on something. And instead of eating uh, pizzas and stuff, I, I um, occupy myself with sunflower seeds. It's, it's tasty. Not bad. <laughs> That is definitely going to be part of a bio. Of it you. has to be. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> going to do a profile of you, a, an extended profile in a literary review type magazine or, or publication, and it is going to be, yeah, the sunflower seed is going to be a key yeah. part of it. Stick to eating sunflower seeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, harsh. <laughs> it's going to be like he has 10 kilos worth of sunflower seeds by his desk, and he's just... So like an addiction. I, I remember reading um, uh, an article about uh, Lee Child and somebody was, uh, the journalist was watching him writing his next book and it was basically a count of how much coffee he drank, how many cigarettes he smoked and how many words he produced in a day. And that was it. I mean, when I think of Lee Childs now, I think of coffee, cigarettes and words. Tapped out with two fingers. So it's an image, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I have an interesting enough image. You can cultivate something. Yeah, I'm going to have to start doing caricatures. It's important. Work. Yeah. I, I think I will increase the accent. I will come across as much more northern um, just to so that, you know, I don't know, I think that could be more interesting than my kind of vaguely neutral accent most of the time. Uh, probably swear a bit more, just really make that a key part of my <laughs> my profile. Adopt a hat. Need to wear yeah, a hat. Yeah, no, I've never been good with hats, to be honest. It's part but, of my uh, look. It's going to be part of my look. Is it? What sort yeah. of a hat? Uh, a large purple felt hat, I think. Or it might be red. I think it might yeah. be red. So I stand out in a crowd. I like the purple. Purple, yeah. Could go purple. So that's going to be in the museum. That's going to be... One of the Am things I... you donate to the museum. Yeah. I think nice I, one, one of the things I've got is my constantly taped up glasses. My glasses that have been ripped apart by my two-year-old and uh, and now are taped up and everyone says, why don't you just get them fixed? I think I'm just going to refuse and just get bulkier and bulkier. You should. So I tape them more and more to the point where it looks like I've got <laughs> massive things attached to my head. That might be my, my thing. What about you, Fotis? I'm just curious if I will have hair by the time I will, I will write. 
finish writing the book. <laughs> a big beard? Would you go for a big beard? Yeah, replace the hair on your head with the hair on your chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think um, uh, if I manage to lose some weight, I think I can pull off a non-beardy look. But uh, if I if I have the same weight as I have now, I think I need a little bit more beard to cover the, uh, the uh, increasingly big uh, cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the sunflower seeds diet. That's... <laughs> Well, I don't think it's very, it's very. Um, yeah, I think they have their own. You know, they have enough calories. They're dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> You're like Hunter S. Thompson for 2021, aren't you? Well, I'm Hunt, picturing. Seeds. I'm picturing you in an interview, pondering a question, with your hand in your big beard, stroking it. That could work. I'm probably thinking of sunflower seeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd pick them all out of your beard. That's what will happen. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if we had the opportunity to uh, to be interviewed for something we wrote that would be amazing well there's no reason why we won't one day i mean there's loads of reasons why we won't but <laughs> we can we, we could always do one on the podcast just to we could satisfy that urge yeah there we go and if we did that i know it's only audio but we would have to dress up in our image yeah. our writer image and interview each other I think that could work Fotis you'll have to start on the beard now <laughs> no shaving 